Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit, a show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore healthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Your Community Spirit, coming at you live and local here on Your Community Radio. And I believe we have a guest who is not quite so local, but hopefully is live over there. Can you hear us, Or? I can a bit. You're kind of quiet, but... Okay. Yeah, we there we go. We are a little quiet. I've got it a little better now. All right, so how's everything on the other side of the ocean? There, can you, can you hear? Can you hear me over there? All right, well, I think we... I'll give it one more try. Can you hear me now, Or? We had or for a minute. So I wonder if we're having technical difficulties again. <laughs> well, you're listening to Community Radio, WDBX 91.1 FM, Community Radio for Southern Illinois. We'll get a little music going and try one more time, and if not, we will get on to the news. We have our special guest back on the air with us. Can you hear us this time? Okay, good. All right, so shall we get into some of the news we have here today? Well, did you get the chance to talk about the membership drive? Not yet, actually. That's one of our biggest happenings right now. It's the spring membership yeah. drive. It's what helps keep WDBX on the air. I mean, it's we have this radio station here, and it takes money to keep it going, so... You can help make that happen. You can give us a call at 618-457-3691. And your support by becoming a member of the community club. Uh, you can make a small monthly donation. And in exchange, you get to listen to hundreds of different types of music and different talk, you know, different information that you need to find out what's going on in the world. All for just a few dollars a month. That's a pretty good deal. I mean, it really amazed me that the little town of Carbondale has one of only 30 community radio stations in the nation. Yeah, there are huge yeah. cities that don't have one, and we've got one here in Carbondale. Very blessed. So you can do 618-457-3691, or if you're more of an online person, you can do wdbx.org. Either way, you can become a part of the community by becoming a community member. All right, so let's see. We, I thought we should mention about something about this little thing that came up recently. It's the uh, the UN Climate Report. The IPCC is putting out its report, and uh, well, a lot of news sources aren't really talking about it much. But I thought we should at least mention it. <laughs> so well, it does have a dwallop of good in it. So let's yeah, I mean, it that our our theme for our show is uh, gloom and doom with a sense of humor, right? Yeah. It's got gloom and doom with a little bit of sense of humor. <laughs> Climate change has broken down the floodgates, pervading every corner of the globe and affecting every inhabitant. That was perhaps the clearest message from the newest report of the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. This is the latest in a conga line of warnings about the need to radically reduce 
uh, excuse me, radically and immediately reduce our use of fossil fuels. Published on last Sunday, it's the second installment of IPCC's fifth climate report. Now, we talked about the first installment back in September, and a little bit after that, and the third one comes out next month. The latest installment catalogs climate impacts that are already being felt around the world, including floods, heat waves, rising seas, and a slowing in the growth of crop yields. So the big news, I mean, it's not big news to people who have been following climate reports, but the official news is that current risks will only worsen. And it's, it's in addition to the climate aspects, people often don't think about the human aspects like violent protests, wars, economic disasters. These are also consequences of climate change. So, well, I mean, if people don't have access to, you know, drinking water or food, <laughs> people get, well, a little rambunctious in their attitudes. Yeah, I mean, if I don't get my breakfast, sometimes I get a little rowdy. So I can only imagine if you're starving for real. Uh, yeah, it's not a good situation. They, the National Resource Defense Council President, Francis Benke, called the report an SOS to the world, reminding us that failure to sharply curb carbon pollution will mean, quote, punishing rainfalls, heat waves, scorching drought, and fierce storm surges. So, yeah, it doesn't, the report doesn't focus just on the risks and threats. They have to explain that because that's part of the science they're doing in terms of climatology. It also looks at the ways in which national and local governments, communities, and private sector can work to reduce those threats. Some of the news on climate adaptation is actually slightly encouraging. <laughs> adaptation to climate change, here's a quote, Adaptation to climate change is transitioning from a phase of awareness to the construction of actual strategies and plans. Chapter 15 says, The combined efforts of a broad range of international organizations, scientific reports, and media coverage has raised awareness of the importance of adaptation to climate change, fostering a growing number of adaptation responses in developed and developing countries. So they're actually starting to work on adaptation now. They're not just talking about it, although a lot of that is still going on, but they're implementing some new things. But the report highlights a depressingly unjust fissure between the world's rich who have caused most of the global warming but can afford to adapt to it, and the world's poorest countries and communities, who didn't cause it, really, but countless lives can be ruined by a single unseasonably powerful storm or drought. I, I think that's pretty interesting, that final sentence, talking about, I mean, a lot of people say that they do not worry about climate change because there'll be a scientific fix. Hmm. But only the first world nations can afford yeah. some kind of scientific fix to be able to withstand the issues of global warming. Yeah, that's one of those two things that concern me about adaptation. I'm glad, I mean, climate change is happening, so we have to adapt to it. So I'm glad they are adapting to it. But the problem is not everyone gets access to that adaptation. And the other problem is we still could be stopping climate change. I mean, we can't stop it all at this point. But if we dramatically reduced our fossil fuel use, that would dramatically decrease the next few decades of climate impacts. So while it's encouraging that they are adapting, it would also be encouraging if they, you know, stop the problem. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you've talked about Oral Addicts Anonymous. It's kind of like the addict saying, you know, well, I'm still using, but I'm going to be a little nicer now. You know, I'm going to use a little less and 
not fight with you when I'm when I'm high. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what the oil industry is saying at this point. But we'll be nice about our use. Yeah. Well, I did just read um, an article yesterday that I actually should have um, included in this um, in today's news about a region in the second poorest country in the world um, about how they had started going solar essentially um, when the majority of people there burn wood to you know burn wood or charcoal to um, cook with mm. and women's uh, life expectancy was really low because they were breathing all that pollution yeah and how they started um, well they started building solar ovens and teaching people to build solar ovens and they created uh, a group that um, trains people and then they created, they basically just kept expanding. It went from a school to teach people about solar to now they have, a, you know, a restaurant that they work together with and um, basically anybody who works in the restaurant um, can get credit towards buying either a solar oven or a solar electric system. And at this point, everybody who works there has their own home electric system. So it was just a very interesting story about how even the poor could, you know, teach themselves and save money and in the process, you know, save the planet. I mean, that wasn't the goal really was to save themselves because they were dying at an unbelievably young age from pollution. Yeah. I really like solutions that involve, you know, addressing social justice issues and environmental issues at the same time. Yeah. Um, next news is this 92-year-old who got arrested for protesting coal is our new hero. Bill Ryan is a World War II vet, climate activist, and a total badass. White heaven coal is destroying part of eastern Australia's large state force in order to open a $767 million coal mine, which will pump out about 15 million tons of coal annually. So the 92-year-old joined 150 others in protesting, peacefully protesting the mine, locking themselves to tree-clearing equipment. Several hours later, the cops arrived on the scene and started snapping on the handcuffs. Now Ryan snagged a trespassing charge, but he was undaunted and wrote a powerful essay in The Guardian about why he protested. You actually should read the whole thing, but here are a few snippets. He said, I expected to be arrested, but people have a right to protest injustice, and in this particular case, we're trying to save the gum forest, the box gum forest, and the large number of endangered fauna and flora in it. It's pretty interesting that um, people don't put much value on nature anymore. Yeah. Um, he continues on, the government doesn't listen to the people, and this mine is a good example. Um, there were over 300 submissions against the mine and one submission for it, but it was approved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 
He continues, I've only got a few years left, but I feel in my conscience I have to take this stand. I'm willing to put my life on the line in the Second World War, so putting my body on the line here is a very small inconvenience. May we all be so awesome at 92. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's impressive that he's still around and he's still doing what he can to try to help the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, it's kind of a double whammy here. They're cutting down the forest that provides, cleans the air and provides oxygen while, you know, pulling a bunch of coal out, which pollutes the environment and, you know, kills us. So. Yeah. It's like they sat down and said, how can I do the most harm to the environment? I know. I'll cut down some trees and mine some coal and burn the coal. <laughs> it's a good plan. Well, I mean, I think the biggest issue is we're thinking short-term, you know, make a bunch of money now, but we're not thinking long-term, let's survive as a species. Yeah. Well, that's a problem that comes up a lot in our current economy, you know. It's all about this quarter's profits and not about our actual relationship to other human beings and the environment. You know, so we make we make a killing. <laughs> There's this phrase, you know, about making a lot of money, making a killing, <laughs> and you end up actually, literally making a killing. I mean, how do you assess? I mean, a lot of times these issues are so big that they're like, how do you assess the the health and environmental um, issues <laughs> when it's such a big issue? Yeah. That's a good segue into our next story, actually. Pennsylvania fishermen. I was trying. I was trying to segue in. <laughs> yeah, you're dangling the lead there. Pennsylvania officials have no idea how to assess the health threats of fracking. An alarming new study by the Southwest Pennsylvania Environmental Health Project, published in the journal Reviews on Environmental Health, finds that current methods and tools used to measure harmful emissions from fracking wells don't accurately assess the health threats. Not even close, in fact. Federal and state officials tend to measure and report emissions in big-picture terms, tons of methane released per year, for example. Another method is to track hourly emissions over a given day or week. But these might not capture rapid and brief increases in chemical exposure, which can cause real harm to bodily systems. SPEHP, the organization, reports that emissions near drilling sites can fluctuate wildly, and toxic chemicals part. Uh, toxic chemical particles can reach high levels of concentration in the air in a very short period of time, as little as a minute or two, and then drop back down. You know, so it's like, if, if you, the monitor isn't looking for that, it can suddenly spike and release a ton of the toxins, and then when the monitor is looking, it isn't releasing the toxins, so it doesn't realize that you've poisoned the air. So they've researched diff on different chemicals, four chemicals, in 14 households near fracking sites in southwestern Pennsylvania, and they found that contamination was concentrated at peak levels, which is three times the median level of concentration, about 30% of the time, but in short spurts. These short blasts of contamination can go undetected by the tools customarily used to measure emissions. And that's kind of concerning with me, because we already, even with the tools we're using, we already sometimes notice how bad it is for human health. So if we're not even catching all of the risk, that... Fracking has a lot of health risk there. And if that weren't bad enough, the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection has a flawed system for responding to citizen complaints. This is my favorite part. They're, the agency's manual says 
that if someone reports an obnoxious odor, but not at the very moment experiencing the smell, they don't have to register the complaint. <laughs> yeah. If they called and said, well, when I got home, I smelled something, they're like, well, you smell it now? Oh, no, I'm inside. I don't know who smelled well, All right. <laughs> all right, it's no fine. Problem. No problem. <laughs> yeah, um, and then when a resident does report a real-time alarm about the air quality, the agency has up to two weeks to conduct an investigation. <laughs> and if no odor is detected when the investigators arrive on the scene, guess what? <laughs> the case is closed. Case closed. <laughs> so basically, they can just wait until the day that there's not a smell, and then they can close <laughs> yeah. the case. Yeah, I will. I will admit I'm not a professional scientist. I don't always know all the details of science, but that doesn't seem like <laughs> good methodology to me. <laughs> so yeah, in light of these findings, uh, these responses fall very much short of what would be needed to accurately determine whether there's a health threat. Yeah. So, and I mean, they're, they're, if they're basing everything on the smell test, there's a lot of pollution that you know you get used to the smell. Kind yeah. Of. And there are some you don't smell too, you know. So it's they're playing games with people's health. Now, Congress is actually members of Congress are asking the EPA to reopen three fracking investigations. A group of Democratic House members are calling on the Environmental Protection Agency to do its damn job, specifically to investigate potential links between pollution and fracking in three states where groundwater has been, let's say, mysteriously poisoned. Representative Mike, uh, excuse me, Representative Matt Carwright's Democrat from Pennsylvania's letter sent on Tuesday to the EPA Administrator Gina McCarthy with signatures from seven other lawmakers followed the agency's disturbing decision to drop the investigation into possible connections between fracking and water contamination. So why would they drop it? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean... Literally, I mean, despite warning from the agency's internal scientists, they decided to drop the investigation into water pollution. Yeah. That'd be a good thing for the, I mean, the Congress people are asking them to restart the investigation. Maybe they also want to start asking why the EPA, which is designated to protect us from environmental threats, would drop these investigations. That is a very suspicious action. Well, there's one... Uh, investigation into water pollution in Parker County, Texas. Mm. They dropped the investigation despite the fact that the quality of the water tests were the water tests were conducted by the frackers themselves. <laughs> yeah, I think I would probably drop that one, but start my a new one. Yeah, <laughs> you can't just say, "Well, they were testing it wrong, so we're just not going to test it." I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. So we'll see if they if they respond to Congress's request there. And we've got to get to happenings, but I want to mention this last headline before we do. Uh, even better than more cowbell. Doctors are prescribing bike share memberships. <laughs> In Boston, doctors are prescribing bike share memberships, and they're offering poor patients a $5 membership to the Hubway bike sharing program, which is usually $85. 
So you can get healthy, ride your bike, and reduce your carbon footprint too. So today is National Walk to Work Day hmm. and Walk Around Things Day. Yes. And it's also Tell a Lie Day, so technically you can just tell everybody you walk to work. <laughs> Hopefully you'll do the opposite. You'll actually walk and you tell everyone you drove. That'd be a little more interesting. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like... All right, uh, let's see. Monday is no housework day. <laughs> Some people celebrate that on more than one day uh, a year. <laughs> it's also World Health Day. Yeah. Go for it. And Wednesday is Name Yourself Day. So I've already named myself, but <laughs> if you yeah. haven't yet, go for it. So happenings. You've already changed your name. Yes. Well, you skip Sunday, plan your epitaph. Oh, yeah. Considering all the climate news we just read, <laughs> you can plan your epitaph, see what's on your tombstone. <laughs> I mean, can you can you plan your own one? I mean, I suppose you could. You could just say, here lies the most awesome person in the world. Too bad he didn't leave me a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll see if your heirs actually put that on your tombstone or not, or they change it. <laughs> so in happenings, for kids' sake, art auction. The 14th annual For Kids Sake Art Auction is now available for bidding. Uh, this auction highlights the creativity and generosity of the Southern Illinois community. 15 schools and after-school programs submitted inspiring art. 40 local businesses gener generously donated goods and services, and many people volunteered their time. Have you ever been to one of these? No, I haven't. I've seen the artwork. I haven't actually been there for the auction itself. So the artwork is great. Right. I mean, it's got it's got all these contributions from these artists. Well, I mean, it's pretty interesting because the idea is they get local kids to draw art, and people buy the art, and the money goes to kids in Bangladesh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like kids for kids' sake. Yeah. Right. It's a good program. It's going on now. The closing reception's on April 25th at 5.30. Yeah, so on the closing reception, you know, they have the music and the uh, young artist ceremony and a special thank you to the art teachers. Um, if you want to view um, some of the art, you can go to the 4 net website or, of course, just go to Long Branch Cafe and Bakery Anytime from now until um, the end of the month. So. Yep. All right. So Saturday is a big day for happenings. We've got three here: uh, the Carbondale Community Farmers Market. That's happening on Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon at the Carbondale Community High School. All sorts of food, outdoor goodies there. Uh, Carbondale Community Farmers Market. Also on Saturday. Um, from 9.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Guy House Interface Center, Community Puppet Making Workshop. The beloved puppistas, let's see, puppetistas, hmm. yeah, will be puppetista. conducting a puppet making workshop this Saturday, April 5th, from 9.30 to noon at the Guy House Interface Center. Environmental and art educators, along with the beloved puppetistas, 
are leading a series of workshops to prepare all members of the community who want to participate in Earth Day's all-species puppet parade taking place on Tuesday, April 22nd. That's for Earth Day. So, if you would like to make puppets, if you would like to assist in making puppets, um, or, most importantly, you just come and make puppets. Mm -hmm. So, and you can also uh, provide supplies for making the puppets, um, so you can help create the animal puppet of your choice. Yes. Then coming up after that, the Weekly Vigil for Peace is on Saturday from noon to 1 p.m. at the Carmendale Town Square. They've been doing that since 2001, standing up for peace and justice. And then finally, we've got these two happenings go together. It's the Family Day coming up on Saturday at Guy House Interfaith Center from 3.30 to 6 p.m. It's Family Day is a celebration. It's a celebration of children and families in our community. It's going to be the amazing balloon art of Professor Play. I've seen him make balloon art. He's got some great stuff. Music by Sawade at 4.30. Superhero workshop. I will be doing that uh, at the end of the day. And other events going on, too. Activities for families and kids and snacks for people after the march. Because there's also a march coming up on Saturday. It's the March Against Child Abuse. This is a national event. The local one is coming up on Saturday at 4 p.m. They will be marching from University Mall to Gaia House. So it's quite a march there, but they're trying to demonstrate their commitment to marching a long way to help children. And this is raising awareness of children who are suffering from child abuse, child sex trafficking, and all other child crimes. Because, I mean, you know, children should be protected. I mean, they should at least get a chance to grow up in this life and reach adulthood and have opportunities and make something of their lives. Anything we can do to protect them from abuse, any sort of exploitation, is very important. And the chance for the kids to have fun is a big deal, too. Yeah. That's why I like the combination of the, the organizers of Family Day and of the March Against Child Abuse decided to combine efforts because you can have an event to raise awareness about the negative stuff going on and also have a positive celebration, you know, because the ultimate goal is to celebrate children as the future, uh, as the present and the future of our society. We've got to do everything we can to create a good world for them. All right, well, this has once again been an exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirit. Hope you've enjoyed it and learned as much as we have. <laughs> and don't forget, it's the Pledge Dive, too. 618-457-2691. Uh, once I get off the air, I'll be able to take your call. You can also do WDBX.org and become a part of the community. Anything else before we part ways and go out into the soon-to-be sunshine? <laughs> All right. Well, we have once again had a good year community spirit, and we will see you again next week on the radio.